Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. My name is Tandy, and today I am joined by Erica and Carolyn, my friends and co-hosts, and today we are talking about beer judging. So if anybody has heard of a BJCP judge or a Cicerone or a beer sommelier, you know, today we're going to go through what it even is to be a beer judge and how do you do it and what a beer judge is looking for when judging a beer. Before we get into that, though, let's just go and do some of the basics. So, guys, we're on all the socials. I would really appreciate a like and a follow and a share and all of those. So we're at Beer Ladies Pod or Beer Ladies Podcast or Beer Ladies Pod on the most at the most uh, on most socials. We're also on YouTube. So youtube.com forward slash Beer Ladies Podcast. Uh, and you can watch our funny mugs while we talk about beer if you want. <laughs> Um, and the last thing is, we are also on Buy Me A Coffee. So if you feel like donating to our calls, that would be awesome. You can go to Buy Me A Coffee forward slash Beer Ladies Podcast and give us a fiver or whatever you feel like. That everything always helps. And uh, we appreciate it and we appreciate you. So thanks for joining us again. Ladies, what are we drinking today? Are we feeling good? How's it going? Carolyn, let's start with you. Um, I'm drinking a lemon head tart from Shannon brewing out of Keller, Texas. It's pretty good. Tastes like a lemon head. What is a lemon head? Oh, uh, it's a candy that is hard candy and it tastes like lemons and it's sour. Uh, we have them in the States. Pretty good. It, it sounds like, like a sweet that I might know, but I don't think it would have been called a lemon head. So it's just like, yeah. It's yeah, but it's definitely like lemon flavor. So I don't know mm. if you have something similar that's lemon flavored that's sweet but sour. I don't know. Mm. I feel like that's the best way to describe it, right, mm. Erica? Yeah, like I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could go to the American import shop. They tend to have a lot of sweets there. So if we find some, we'll do a tasting. <laughs> that would be <laughs> or cool. I can just bring some. Bring some. <laughs> Carolyn is coming to visit soon. We're all very excited. <laughs> that's awesome okay so erica what have you got friend um i've got the whiplash temporary pleasure double ipa and just oh, wow. showing the camera the artwork which is um collage mm. and it has some some of my favorite colors in there i especially like the green um and yeah it's going down really well it's 
8%, but we're recording on a Saturday. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Why not? <laughs> awesome. Well, Snapsies, I've also got a whiplash, but mine is Dust Model. It is a Vienna Lager. And um, it's actually, it's awesome. For those in Ireland, Whiplash is a very well-known brewery here, but I am particularly excited when I see a non-IPA coming out of Whiplash. So I tend to pick all of those up. And not because I don't like IPAs, it's just because there's so many on the market. So it's nice to see something something different. And, mm. oh, it's in a Wicklow Wolf glass, but who cares? Ooh, I like the, <laughs> I like the color of it. Mm. Mm. Vienna lagers are one of my favorite styles. They're just delicious. And, yep, this this one is hitting all the right spots. Okay, so let me ask you, ladies, are any of you qualified beer judges in any way? No, um, no. I I took a, a module during my last degree, which was called International Beers and Draft Dispense Management, and part of that um, was a tasting exam, and we followed a sheet, and we had several beers that we had to rate on things like appearance, aroma, and tasting. Um, but I don't have an official title as part of that. Yeah, cool. And Carolyn, you're not either. So um, this is awesome, because I am not yet a beer judge, but I did my BJCP exam in December last year, and I'm waiting with the patients that should be rewarded with a good mark, PJCP, <laughs> but I'm waiting for my results. <laughs> so right now I'm what you call a provisional judge. Mm -hmm. and, and that just means that I've taken the exams, there's an online and then there's a tasting exam and I'm waiting for the results. But it does mean right now that I can judge at competitions. Mm -hmm. So technically be a judge, but I don't have an official score. So as an intro then, you know, I wanted to talk about, you know, what even is a beer judge and how do you become mm -hmm. one? Um, it may surprise listeners or it really may not, but there are such things as beer judges. And the reason that beer judges exist is to take the subjectivity out of beer drinking. So evaluate a beer against a set of you know, guidelines for that style and make a decision as to whether it meets the style or not. What beer judging isn't is saying, yay, I love this beer. It is the best beer in the world. So mm -hmm. you can love the taste of a beer. You can love the smell of it. But if it doesn't suit the style that you're judging it against, it's a fail. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing when we're judging beers, we're taking out the subjectivity. We're not talking about whether we like it or not. What we're doing is saying, does it meet these guidelines? And these guidelines have come over the years through different organizations, but it really started with the... the um, Beer Association, is it Beer Association? And the BJCP. The BJCP is the biggest one and they've had these beer style guidelines that have been updated almost yearly for a good number of years. And they are the standard that all of the different beer judge programs use to judge beer against. So the BJCP has the set of guidelines and the different programs use the guidelines to train their judges and to uh, for all judging competitions. So the different programs that you get, there are three main ones. And thanks, Erica, for reminding me of the third. But the, the three main ones are the BJCP, and that stands for Beer Judge Certification Program. It is a global network of beer judges and people who organize um, training and evaluation of potential beer judges. But they're also the people in charge of these style guides. And um, so the latest one is actually one that came out this year. And not everything changes in each version, but 
there was a new release this year. Um, and it is a voluntary organization. So there's, you know, no one is paid to be part of the BJCP. It is all voluntary. The only things that you pay for is if, for instance, you're taking an exam, you pay for the time of, you know, websites and systems and things that need to go into evaluating you. So that's the BJCP. And it is, it's probably known the best by homebrewers. It's, it's almost the program that is more focused on brewing than on tasting or serving. Because the other program that's really well known is Cicerone. And Cicerone, there's different levels to each of these programs, but Cicerone, you'll get um, a really well-rounded education on beer. Part of it is tasting, part of it is brewing know-how, but a lot of it is serving and food pairing and other things that go with beer. So it's not just, you know, has this beer used the correct ratio of malts? It's, mm -hmm. you know, much more about how would you pair this beer? How would you serve it? How would you clean a cask? How would you make sure that your lines are clean? Things like that. And then there is the beer sommelier program. So I don't know that much about it, to be honest, but I do know that some people like to get all three and it's very rare to have all three um, certifications. And if you have all three, it's like, basically, you know, you should quite, quite a lot. <laughs> and so within each of the other two as well. So within BJCP and within um, Cicerone, there are different levels that you can achieve within them. So I can speak about the BJCP one. You know, I mentioned that I am a provisional judge. It means that I've taken an online exam and I've taken a in-person tasting exam. But now when I get my results, I can be ranked accordingly, either at uh, recognized or certified. Sometimes people get straight to national through their initial tasting, but it's very uncommon. But you move up and down these well, up these ranks based on experience points. So you could do um, really well on your tasting exam. You could get like a 75%, which would put you into a certified bracket. And then the more exams, or the, sorry, the more um, events you're tasting or the more competitions you're judging or the more you're helping out as a steward or as an organizer, or, there's different ways to, to get points. But the more you do that, the higher you can go. So... From provisional, there is recognized, there's certified, there's national, there's master, and there's grandmaster. Now, as soon as you get to national, master, and grandmaster, you're already up within the elite. You know, you're talking about like the top five to 10% of all the judges that have taken the exam. And there are a few thousand across the world um, who have taken the exams in general. Then with Cicerone, it's kind of similar. You also have to do an online exam, which is like a theory exam, and then you do a tasting exam. But their um, ranks, there's four ranks. There's beer server, which is an online exam only. Then you get certified, you get advanced, and you get a master. So a master Cicerone, an advanced Cicerone, or a certified Cicerone. The difference between BJCP and Cicerone is that between each level, you have to do another set of exams. So there is a written exam and a tasting and or, you know, practical of some kind exam between mm -hmm. the different levels. So some people think that the Cicerone is the more prestigious um, of the two, let's say. But the way that I see it is that by the time you get to national or advanced or master in any of them, it doesn't matter which one is which you are already very prestigious. Mm -hmm. um, and the only difference really seems to be, to me anyway, is that the BJCP is a lot more 
brewing focused and the, and the Cicerone is a lot more well-rounded and holistic. So well, I have, a, a, I have mm -hmm. a quick question, Tandy. Of course. Um, for the BJCP, um, as long as you're, let's say, 18 or 21 years old, can literally anyone sign up for it and go yes. through the program? Yes. And how long did that take you? Mm, good question. So, yes, as long as you're of legal drinking age, you can, um, you can take the online test anytime you want. Okay. Um, you have to pay for it, but you can take the online test whenever you want. It is pretty tricky. So there's a fair amount of studying that you'd want to do before going into it. And it's a, it's a multiple choice exam, but it's one of those that if there are multiple answers, because you can have multiple answers within multiple choice, if you don't get all of them right, you get no points. So okay. it, is, it is quite a tricky thing. But if you pass that, you've just got a really good chance of going, going through the rest. Um, I'd say that studying for that and taking the exam, if you were really dedicated, it could take you two months or a month or two. Um, but it could take you a lot longer. I really faffed on getting my um, online exam done. I was scared of the online exam. So I've been half-assed doing it for years. <laughs> and then finally decided to actually put a stick in it and do it um, but doing your tasting exam you have to have passed the online exam first mm -hmm. and you have to you can't just do it anytime anywhere so mm. often most often the homebrew clubs in your local country or city are organizing these exams and they often only happen once to like once or twice every two years you know mm. they're not they're not super regular mm -hmm. and the reason for that is people from outside of your jurisdiction let's say need to come in and they need to also taste those beers that you're putting out for the exam mm -hmm. so that there is a they're um you know they're like the master judges and the, the the competitors or the entrants are going to be judged against those professional judges sure. um so yeah. there's no bias then and exactly um it's also I because remember... you need to have a certain rank um, so you need yeah. to be a national or master to be able to um, okay. come in and be the head judge at a, at a tasting exam. And did your homebrew club facilitate like practice tastings before mm. you got to that stage? Yes. So the, um, the, the homebrew club of Ireland, so the homebrew club here in Ireland is kind of an umbrella group there's lots of different sort of chapters all over the country and they asked a couple of years ago they said who's interested in doing the BJCP and because I'd been sitting on my hands for a really long time not doing this I said I'm keen let's do it and mm -hmm. they ran a series of classes um, that went for about I think 12 weeks we met sort of once every two weeks or so and we tasted different um, beers we bought boxes so they'd put together a box through one of our online stores everybody would buy that box um, and then we'd go through those beers and we'd evaluate them and practice mm -hmm. and practice the the process of tasting and evaluating so we did do that but it's not mandatory that your homebrew club does that it's just mm -hmm. kind of a nice thing the other thing that they did which is also a lovely thing that they did was they organized a session for an off flavors tasting. Mm. So we mm -hmm. we got together, a lot of us who were taking the exam got together one Saturday and we went and tasted beers that had been spiked with all yep. kinds of off flavors. Um, because that's a really big part of judging is yeah. being able to identify an off flavor. It's not just, yeah. you know, does this taste I, like I a I agree. Lager? Like, I think that is 
so, so important. And it's something that um, like every brewer, but also every um, patron of a pub should know, like, why is this happening? And is it intentional? You know, you know, um, it's, it's interesting, because I almost feel as if patrons shouldn't have to know it. But <laughs> brewers and quality control should be such mm -hmm. that beer never goes out if it's yeah. got anything like that. And the pubs should also be really on top of things because mm -hmm. all flavors don't just come from a brewery. They can also come from serving and sure. dirty lines and things. Yep. So there's like shared responsibility, but I do agree like in, in, in that knowledge is power. And if, mm -hmm. if the more people know what acetaldehyde tastes like um, or smells like, or what diacetyl uh, smells like, you know, people might be more aware that their beer is actually not right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's um, yeah. And they yeah. send it back. I would be one of those people that would have no idea. <laughs> it's it's more common I mean, than you think, though. Yeah. I mean, I might think, oh, this beer tastes off based off other beers I've had, but I wouldn't think that it would be, like, something chemical or whatever. Yeah. But exactly. Think, you might just I, I think, think, oh, okay, not, a, not the best beer I've had in the world. Once you've had those spikes that are, you know, in your head ingrained, like, oh, this is sweet corn or, oh, this is buttered popcorn. Right. It's like, you won't forget that. And yeah, no, that, that being makes sense. Said, that being said, you know, um, I've done a few of these sort of sensory training courses or days where they spike things. And often for, I think it's just so that you understand the flavor the, the best, but often it's something like a light lager that is spiked. Yep. But not every beer that you're going to drink is a lager. So having those or flavors in different styles of beers would be so helpful um, for people as brewers, um, as well as, again, patrons and, and bar staff and, you know, everybody that's involved in beer. But it would be useful to have it across the different flavors. It's just easiest to taste in a light lager, you know. And did you find it kind of tricky to go through this process during a global pandemic? Actually, I think it made it easier. Because, because there wasn't a whole lot going on, I dedicated quite a lot of time every week to buying beers and actively evaluating them. Because mm -hmm. the thing about judging, everybody's capable of being a judge, absolutely everybody. It's just that it's, it's about kind of taking um, your beer drinking and making it more sort of conscious and mindful. So what you're doing is you're actively looking at the color and describing it in words, mm -hmm. actively smelling you know, your sure. beer and trying to trying to describe an aroma. And mm -hmm. if you're drinking just to drink, you're you're not evaluating a beer, you're not judging it. You're drinking it, and that's okay too. But if you're judging, it it takes a bit of practice for that to become like something that you do. And mm -hmm. what what I always feared about being a beer judge is that I thought that I'd become a judge and then all of a sudden only want to evaluate beers as opposed to just wanting to enjoy yeah. like, drinking beers. But I haven't found that. I found mm. that it's it's easy enough to compartmentalize when you're like judging versus when you're drinking. Um, okay. So you see fun. yourself in the near future going to in-person events and actively judging. Yeah. I in fact have one coming up in oh. uh, next week. So, wow. Yeah. So there's a homebrew competition that I'm going off to judge. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the more that I can do, the better, the, you know, the more points I'd earn and the better I can practice. Because, mm -hmm. you, you know, if you're not studying for an exam or if you don't have like a deadline, you're not always going to sit down and practice your evaluation skills. But sure. it's really good um, to go and do these kinds of things. Plus, 
I like being involved in the beer community. So mm-hmm. the more people I can meet and the more um, home brews I can taste, the better it is for me. I love it. Very you cool. Just, you just mentioned the points thing. What Can you elaborate on what are the points? Mm. How does that work? So, so for BJCP, not for Cicerone, but for BJCP, right. you get experience points for every event that you're involved in. So if you're a judge you at, at like a homebrew competition, you get a certain number of points. If you are the organizer of a homebrew competition, you get a certain amount of points. Mm. Same as if you're a steward. The stewards basically are the ones bringing the beer out and taking, you know, the bottles back in. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. They, they've got a lot of, it's a really important role at a beer competition. Um, they're often pouring it into pitchers so that you don't see a label, you know, things okay. like that. Um, and you get points for that. And it all goes to your rank. So if I come in, let's say, as a recognized beer judge, which means I've passed, but I'm not certified yet. I would need to earn points and potentially do another exam to get to certified. If I'm certified and I want to get to national, it's a matter of getting all of these experience points. So mm. once you attain like the written exam, um, the written exam, tasting exam, uh, sort of points or percentages, as well as your points, you can move up ranks. And it's quite a lot of points that you need. So it does it does, I guess, incentivize you to want to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have to show the camera quickly my earrings. Um, they are the SRM rainbow, oh, uh, awesome. which is like the different shades of beer. And I wore these on our wedding day because we had a beer <laughs> wedding. <laughs> that's so cool. I love it. I love it. That's, that's, I also love it. That's, that's so great. And the tasting sheet that I commonly use um, assigns different numbers uh, to the hue of the beer. So, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's actually a handy segue because when, when you're judging a beer, you know, whether it's a competition or whether you're practicing, there's a few things that you would do. Um, and there's a few things that you might need. So the first thing you'd need, unless it was an exam itself, but you'd need the BJCP style guidelines with you. So mm-hmm. there are apps on every app store to get the BJCP guidelines so you can get them on your phone. Um, I might just quickly show mine, but I've got, I've got one that's just, uh, just called BJCP. And then, oh, Jesus. Having a having a background on Zoom is a terrible idea. But anyway, and you're you're allowed to use that, or do you have to have yes. everything in your head memorized? For the exam, you're not allowed to use it. Right. But for for home, for competitions, you are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So within within any of these apps, or you could have a book with you that's got the styles. And um, mm-hmm. what you what you need when you're doing this is that you need to look at the styles. So if I'm looking at, in fact, I'm going to go to a Vienna Lager since I'm drinking one. Mm-hmm. Going to go to, to go to Vienna Lager, which is style 7A. And it's got all of these notes on what the style is. So it'll give you an overall impression first. And that's like the summary of the beer. So this one says a moderate strength continental amber lager with a soft, smooth maltiness and a balanced, moderate bitterness, yet re- finishing relatively dry. The malt flavor is clean, bready rich, and somewhat toasty with an elegant impression derived from quality-based molds and process, not speciality bolts or adjuncts. So it'll then go further into detail. It'll talk about what the aroma should be. It'll talk about what the appearance uh, needs to be, um, the flavor, the mouthfeel, and then any kind of history or context or how it compares. So how does it compare to an amber lager? Um, you know, how does it compare mm-hmm. to a red ale? What, you know, think, think of all the things that maybe it kind of looks like. 
um, sure. and, and you can compare it. There's mm -hmm. also a really handy tool. I actually just need to find it really quickly. But there's a really handy tool that I used when, um, when studying for the BJCP, and it compares um, beer styles. It's on beer syndicates. And I'll put the link into the show notes, but you can pick up to three beer styles and it compares them sort of side by side. So the aromas, the ABVs, which is your alcohol, your IBUs, which is your bitterness, the colors, everything. It's amazing. Mm. It's a really handy tool. Um, but yeah, so when, when you're sitting down to judge a beer, you've got your guidelines with you. So you know what your beer should look, smell and taste like. And then you've got a sheet and I'll, share a link to the sheet in this in the show notes as well but the sheet basically breaks down what you're evaluating and the kind of the order in which you should do it so for example let me just get my sheet up here for example the first thing on the sheet besides uh, besides your actual flavors and aromas and stuff is it asks you to fill out um, what kind of style it is um, the subcategory and whether there is anything to be noted about it. So any notable ingredients, because that's really important. You know, if you say I'm drinking a Vienna lager uh, or I've, I've brewed a Vienna lager, but I have put Belgian candy syrup into it, then as a beer judge, you should know that whatever sweetness you're getting is not necessarily from the malt. It's also from the candy syrup or yeah. whatever the case is. And sometimes you put that in so that if, um, if it doesn't quite fit the style as it as the style says it is, there is a reason for it, and you can account for that. Mm -hmm. So, in the same way, if you say that um, I've brewed an IPA, but you've put coconut and pineapple into it, um, you'd want to mention that because, as much as hops can give you that flavor, adding fruit or adding coconut can can change things like head retention, or it can change. Um, it could take a bunch of things about it. So you'd want to mention that sort of thing. And what so, information are you given about this mystery beer? Mm, really good question. So part of judging is being unbiased. So mm -hmm. you don't know things like the brewer's name. Uh, you don't know where they're from. Mm -hmm. You don't know whether it's a commercial beer or a homebrewed beer. Sometimes it's like, so some competitions allow both. Um, you know, commercially and homebrewed beers um, in the competition. So you don't know any of that. You know the style as in the, the category. So let's say Vienna Lager 7A, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you'll know any special ingredients, and okay. you should know the alcohol percentage. Sometimes people will give you the original and final gravity as well, but as long as you know the ABV, you're kind of okay anyway. Yeah. But that's it. And, you know, if, if it was a commercial brew and it was labeled, you won't see that it'll get poured into something um, clean, like, like either a pitcher or another glass. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you're sitting at a competition, you generally do uh, judging in pairs or with three people. So two, you know, minimum of two. And the reason for that is um, what you're doing is everybody judges silently first. So you're first doing your own judge. Personally, you write everything down. Then you compare with the next person. Okay. You say, okay, I, I gave this part of it a four out of five what did you give oh they gave a 4.5 whatever and then you can either make your case or you can compromise and go somewhere down the middle it's just so that if you're having a bad day you know, taste or smell wise or if you're having a really sharp day or if you're just in a shit mood whatever the case is it's to try and you know balance things out and make sure that a bell curve sort of um, judgment is reached 
If someone and, has an allergy or a dietary restriction, can they mm. still participate as a beer judge? Yes, absolutely. Um, at, uh, at the beginning of competitions or when competitions are being organized, whoever is organizing the judges will ask about your preferred styles to judge or styles that you absolutely don't want to judge. Okay. And, they'll, and they'll often ask about allergies and things like mm. that. So funny, fun fact, right? The first time I met Christina, our co-host, was at the Nationals. We were judging together. And um, because I was still a like a novice judge and I wasn't even ranked yet at all, um, they put me with an experienced judge and that was Christina. So Christina and Lisa, both of our co-hosts, are, are both BJCP judges. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's, yeah, that's how we met. That's how we first met. And what was uh, interesting was that we were judging vit beers that day and after that I didn't want to drink a vit beer for ages let me just tell you because <laughs> you, you do kind of get sick of them but for that competition I had said to Kelly friend of the co friend of the podcast mm -hmm. um, and she's been a guest of ours but she was part of the organizing committee I'd say to her that please don't put me on like English bitters because I just mm. don't think I know enough about them like I don't have enough experience um, mm -hmm. to judge the the range of bitters that there are but some people for instance love judging like IPAs and mm. I think it's because they can be like really full of flavor but I sort of tend to prefer the other styles I want to judge the saisons and want to judge the you know the brown ales and sure. things like that so I mean I think IPAs you're always going to get so many IPAs in a competition that mm -hmm. have yeah, I'd almost rather do the, the other styles. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a common misconception that it's um, judging based on, ooh, like this is delicious. Like I would mm. drink this at home versus like this is true to style, right? Like it has to be objective like any exactly. other contest. And look, the thing is, is that you can't take subjectivity out of it completely. Mm. You, you know, it's never going to be it's never going to be completely objective because there is no such thing as a scientific sort of, you know, proof that Blind. your, that your yeah. beer, there's, there's no like a chemistry test to say that your beer matches the style. Yeah. But, and, and the thing is people do taste differently. So mm -hmm. that's also why, you know, you want to pair yourself with another person to make sure that you, you're not imagining something, but also that you, you might have gotten something that somebody else didn't. So that's mm -hmm. okay too. And it's just worth talking about. I wonder if anybody's accidentally had a bad batch of beer that they've submitted. Like, I wonder if, like, in, tra in transportation, <laughs> something happened and it just went to shit. I'll tell you, I'll tell you <laughs> actually what happens. Like, what's really, really common, because you do get bad beers in competitions all the time. And actually, people think that being a beer judge is quite glamorous because you're effectively getting free beer and you're getting, like, pissed you know pissed for no reason but yeah. actually what happens is that like 60 percent of the beers are probably have got flaws in some other okay. way so either they're very young or they've got bad mm -hmm. combination or they've or there is an infection so there's plenty of times that that okay. happens the reason that happens by the way and i'm such a victim to this as well but um the reason is because people don't plan their brews well enough in advance so they brew the beer mm -hmm. with just enough time to bottle and carbonate it and send it off yeah. Instead of having brewed it a few weeks earlier so they could test it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and okay. the other big mistake that people make when entering a beer competition is that they enter the beer that they made with the style that they think it is. Instead of tasting it, sure. deciding whether it matches what they thought they were getting, 
and then figuring out where to enter it. So mm -hmm. people, people have got this kind of like sunken cost fallacy thing where they're like, I thought I was making an Irish red ale, um, but actually it tastes more like, let's say, a red lager or whatever the case yeah. is. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's probably a silly example. But um, so instead of tasting the beer and then deciding which style it closely matches or the, you know, has the best chance of going to, they will enter it stubbornly into the one that they think it belongs in. And often people get marked down for having a beer that doesn't match the style. Doesn't mean the beer is flawed, but it sure. doesn't match the style. So it, okay. can never, it can never be an award-winning beer. Sure, sure, sure. Mm. And That's you, good to know. <laughs> do you find that the, um, like the saltine crackers that are so commonly offered as a palate cleanser, like do those work or would you prefer something else or can you bring Hell your no. own? Yeah. You can, so you can bring your own stuff. People do, mm -hmm. yeah, people do offer crackers and things or some people bring their own. But I um, think, and actually Mirella mentioned it on our, mm -hmm. on our podcast recently, but um, crackers and breads have their own flavor and breadiness and cracker flavors are a really common flavor in beer. Yeah. So having those as a palate cleanser makes absolutely no sense when you're evaluating beers that have those flavors. Mm -hmm. So it might make sense if you're evaluating IPAs because it's not a common sort of predominant flavor. Sure. If you are evaluating lagers and you're using crackers as your palate cleanser, it's gonna, it's gonna ruin you. Mm -hmm. And especially if they're salted. Um, water is probably the best. Um, I've heard, because you can also get like nose fatigue and aroma fatigue. Mm. I've heard that um, bringing some coffee to sniff can can reset your nose yes. but again it depends on what you're smelling so if you're evaluating stouts or um you know styles that have got a, a bit of a coffee sort of aroma you don't want to use coffee to cleanse it mm -hmm. but it can work for uh, hoppier beers and is there a spittoon offered if you want to pour something out or spit something oh, out or yes okay so one of the differences between beer judging and wine judging is that in beer judging we don't spit the, the beer out mm -hmm. um, at all you're not you're not uh, you, you swallow it because it's part of it and um, mm -hmm. but there is there is let's say so the jug that it comes in there was always something else to pour beer into because you also you don't want to be drinking a full glass every time you know you're mm -hmm. often judging six to eight beers in a session and even though <laughs> you're only doing two or three sips like you it can it can make you really pissed really quickly um, sure. surprisingly so <laughs> so you don't want to drink uh, more than what you need to be able to judge the beer most people say within two sips like you should have everything down I think for um, judges that are still learning and still practicing it often takes a few more sips which is why novice judges get a bit um, a bit drunker a bit quicker <laughs> um, but yes there are vessels to to throw excess beer out and often you need it because you do get infected beers so okay. Yeah, and you do need. The did, did you find that the time limits were um, putting a lot of pressure on you, or were they sufficient? Um, in the exam, so the exam is an hour and a half, and you do six beers, which sounds like a long time. It's twelve minutes per beer, I think. But the ideal is to try and do it in like 10 minutes or nine minutes or eight minutes so that you've got time to rest your okay. palate, rest your nose, have some water, that sort of thing between. I managed with the exam to keep time really well up until the last two beers. And then I felt a little bit under pressure. But mm -hmm. 
um, at um, at festivals or at homebrew competitions, it's a little bit more relaxed. So okay. you don't, you know, you don't really need to be under a super strict timeline. But people do say like maximum sort of fifteen minutes, you know, per um, per beer, which mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So otherwise, you'll be there forever. Well, yeah, and then you'll probably overanalyze it, and <laughs> they probably just yeah, want exactly. you to say like, that's like, the thing, like this is what it is like move on because they say often like your first instinct is correct and then you start second guessing yourself 100 percent, definitely so it's it's exactly that so if you can keep your beer tasting to 10 minutes of beer like you're probably doing well and you'll give yourself a little bit of time to sort of chill out have a bit of water and all of that in between i guess mm -hmm. this is a dumb question but i just thought of it when you're beer judging and they give you different beers, do they give you the same glass? Do they give you different glasses? Because obviously if you're putting in the same glass and you like wine tasting, you have to rinse it out depending on what you're drinking. Mm. So if so, they bring it to you in pitchers, yeah. That's a good so question. It, it is a good question. It's not dumb at all. And it depends on the occasion or, you know, the beer festival or homebrew club competition but normally you'll drink out of the same glass but they'll give you water and you'll rinse so mm -hmm. another reason to have this this sort of spittoon is to you know toss your uh, watery rinse glass out of but where where you do want to um ask for a new glass is after an infected beer mm -hmm. uh, because just water may not kind of do the job and sure. um, or after a beer like depending on whether you're judging a lot of different styles you'd probably want a different glass between the style categories uh, because you it would be quite difficult even if you've rinsed out a glass but if you go from judging double ipas to judging a vice man that like those hops are going to stay they're going to stick around a bit so best to get a new glass and would there be an intentional order from let's say low to high abb or light to dark beer yes yes and no so it depends on the competition uh, most competitions uh, break up the um the style sort of categories and people will judge a category as opposed to judging one of many categories throughout so okay. you'll get the judges who are doing the ipas and the judges who are doing the parallels and the judges who are doing let's say saisons vices and bits for instance mm -hmm. so within so they'll break up the styles because of uh, major flavor components because of ABVs you know if you're judging imperial stouts that's the only style that you're going to be judging because those are big boys and pretty much but if you were going to do stouts and imperial stouts likely they'd start with the stouts so that you're not you know too hammered to do the imperial <laughs> stouts and so it depends but if you're you know if you're running something like a tasting um like a tasting event you know mm -hmm. you might want to then put them into a different order so starting from i i don't want to say low abv to high abv because sometimes mm. that's not really it sometimes it's it's the most like least intense to the most intense in terms of flavors sure um, although i always struggle to know where sours fit because sours are an intense flavor <laughs> but they're not great after a stout <laughs> so yeah don't know I have to say, like, I'm very impressed by your knowledge, and I have Thank no you. doubt that you're gonna pass with flying colors. So, um, come on, BGCP, give me my results, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually it's really good fun, and you know, I'm I've decided that regardless of my BGCP results, I'm gonna go to Cicerone as well because why mm. the hell not? I'm gonna start that quite soon. 
And yeah, um, how many times can you take the exam? Like if you fail, can mm. you take it indefinite or can you, is there only two? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean. It. No, it's a good question. So when you do BJCP, for, so for the, um, for the written exam, so the online exam, I don't want to get it confused because actually the written exam is your tasting exam, but for the online exam, mm-hmm. you can, you can buy different packages. I was, uh, I bought the package where you can get, um, it's like getting two chances for the price of one or something. Um, and I passed it first time, which I was like, yes, that's fabulous. But mm-hmm. you can, you can just do that indefinitely. It's mm-hmm. just that you're paying for it. You know, mm-hmm. like every time you're doing mm-hmm. it. Um, and then the written exam so because it's not online and it's not available all the time, you can do it indefinitely, but you're going to be waiting a year or two between your tests because they're not, they're not that often. Um, so Unless you, really you travel, sort of do, I suppose. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, you can travel. So we actually had somebody come to the exam from Spain, I believe, okay. because in his homebrew clubs, nobody was doing the exam within like a reasonable time for him. So he wanted to do it. Um, sooner rather than later so he traveled over for it which yeah mm-hmm. you can do um yeah but so you can do it uh, as many times as you need to for sure it's uh, it's interesting though it's good fun it's not everyone's it's not everyone's sort of idea of fun i think a lot of people <laughs> like to just drink beer and not have to think about whether it um mm-hmm. you, you know whether it matches the style or not but i i really enjoy it and because i also homebrew I mean, I really wanted to become a judge because I wanted to make better beer, not just because I wanted to right. learn how to taste beer better, but mm-hmm. it's it's so that I can evaluate my own beer and understand where I've gone wrong in the process sometimes. And that's where I yeah. think it's really valuable. And do you find that this experience has helped you to um, look at and smell and taste other drinks or foods in a different light? Hmm. You know what? I kind of think... It has, not because I'm now sharper in any way, but I think because I'm a little bit more conscientious about um, what I'm tasting. So I'm noticing, before I might say that something was spicy, Mm. but now I talk about things being peppery or things being chilly or things being, you know, having cumin or cinnamon. You know, it's Mm. not like spice as a group. And I try and be a little bit more, um, a little bit more specific Mm -hmm. about what I'm saying about things. But that takes that takes practice too, you know. Whether it's whether it's food or whether it's beer, it just takes a bit of practice. But yeah, I think so. Hmm. So, Carolyn, would you ever want to be a beer judge? I don't know. I've thought about it, but I just think drinking beer. Like, I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> see, here's the thing. I'm not a good test taker. I'm not a good test taker. I'm one of those people that I freak out and I forget everything. So mm. for me to just sit down and take a test is like nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I yeah I, I get that man I get it I'm just not good at test taking that's fine so like I thought about it but also like I have a lot of other stuff going on so like I don't know if I can totally. dedicate the time like when yeah. I get off work I really don't want to study <laughs> <laughs> like, no it's also, true like I don't studying studying beer is kind of fun because you're true. just drinking beer <laughs> And and it was a great excuse. So when I was really studying quite hard, I was doing probably at least two beers a night, like, and going through, like, really writing out my score sheet fully, you know, because the part of the practice is not just learning how to taste and stuff. It's also learning how to describe. Um, And it's writing enough Mm -hmm. because the way that they evaluate your BJCP exam is there's, there's different sections. So you write about aroma, 
you're right about appearance. The reason you do aroma first, by the way, is because especially in hoppy beers, like uh, volatile compounds will disappear quickly, whereas mm-hmm. the appearance will generally stay fairly the same. So you go aroma, you go appearance, you go flavor, you go mouthfeel, and then you do the overall impression, which is not as much a, oh, I like this beer. It's, it's more like to get it from a 32 out of 50 to a 40 out of 50, these are the kinds of things you could look at improving. So mm-hmm. that's what an overall impression is. And um, part of what they evaluate, though, is when they evaluate your exam, your written exam, they're evaluating how much you write. They want you to fill the space. They want you to say things about all the relevant things. So in terms of appearance, they really want you to talk about the color. They want you to talk about the clarity. They want you to talk about the head. And if you can, you know, the carbonation that you can see. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're talking about flavor, they want you to talk about malt, hops. So hop flavor as well as hop bitterness. Um, they want you to talk about balance. So, you know, which which side of the balance is it? And it's not just, oh, this is a well-balanced beer, because that says nothing, to be honest. In, let's say, a Vienna Lager, the balance is supposed to be slightly on the malty side. So you're supposed to talk about the fact that it is slightly on the malty side of the balance, you know, like whatever the the words you want to use is but those are the kinds of things that you you really want to um you really want to mention because you get marked down if you're too um if you're not writing enough if you are mm-hmm. the person who suffers with brevity like you will get marked down for that they almost want more rather than less and mm-hmm. um, oh and they want you to talk about the finish is it dry or is it sweet how well attenuated is it you know all of these things um and then the other thing that they um evaluate is they look at how did your scores and your descriptions match the main judges? You know, um, that's not the biggest part of the exam. So a lot of people worry too much about it. They worry about how close they're getting um, to the proctors, but it's really not the biggest part of the exam. The biggest part of the exam is, can you write enough? Are you perceptive enough? And are you accurate? And that accuracy can be gleaned by looking at all of the other people, but it can also be um it can also just be based on what you what you write, which is great. And I remember you posting some shorts um, videos on your Instagram as you were kind of rehearsing beforehand, and that must have given you a lot more confidence. I literally started um, TikTok because it was helping me to study. (laughs) (laughs) So I I started a TikTok account and I still post. I don't post super regularly, but I still post. And it's it's things, it was the things that were gotchas for me. So it was like, what does attenuation mean even? Or what is the difference between a session IPA and a pale ale? You know, or all of these kind of different styles. You know, what's the difference between a dark mild and a brown ale? Mm-hmm. Or a porter and a brown ale? What are those differences? So like for me, sometimes if I, if I verbalize it and if I make something that I can watch back later, like, yeah. you know, they say the best way to learn is to teach. That's, yes. that, that was it. That was it for me. So now that I'm going to um, do Cicerone as well, I'll, I'll probably still be making, I'll just be making videos forever. Oh, why not? <laughs> so would you do sommelier? I don't know, maybe. I'd, I'd first <laughs> want to get to a place of, um, of some distinction within BJCP and Cicerone. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Wait, okay. so does Cicerone, like, do you have to have points? Or like, how does that mm-hmm. work? It's a little different because... There are four levels, so it's 
certified beer, or it's a beer server, certified, advanced and master between each of the levels. So beer server is just an online exam. So that one I can do kind of whenever I want. That's all good. Then you get to certified master, uh, advanced and master. And to get to those levels, you need to do an extra set of exams. So it's not, uh, as far as I know, it's not points-based like BJCP is. Right. It's, it's a whole nother exam. And you mm. don't have to have your BJCP before you do that. It doesn't no, really. No. But do you have to have Cicerone before you do sommelier? No. Or can you just? No. Okay. No. No, I think all, they're all they're very separate. separate. Mm -hmm. Figured I'd yeah, ask. They're all separate. You never know. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, these are great questions. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to do any one of them to be able to do the other ones. Um, the only thing is that I think, as far as I know, I don't know about the sommelier program as well, but... So Cicerone also uses the BJCP style guides. So okay. if you if you want to, I think, learn the most about beer styles, go for BJCP or at least look at the style guide. You know, you don't have to do the exam. You don't have to become a judge. But mm -hmm. you certainly want to know what makes a grisette different to a Saison, different to a Sour, different, you know, to all of the different things that it could be compared to. Um, or what even is a grisette? It's there yeah. in, the, in the, you know yeah it's cool and it gives you a little bit of a way to even if it's not official but it gives you a little bit of a way to evaluate a beer like oh mm. yeah mm. it says that this color should be from straw to honey but mine is looking like deep copper something's wrong <laughs> you know or something's <laughs> different yeah mm -hmm. well, i mean even i mean what yeah go you know that i was somewhere and somebody's like oh i got an irish red ale i said just looking at it i was like that's not a red ale yeah like, does it taste <laughs> like it they're like no, this is terrible. And I'm like, no, not to come back here for that. <laughs> like, I just think. Yeah. It's and really I funny. like, I, I don't know you, everything, but I feel like I know enough. Trust your yeah. senses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Trust your senses and trust the things that you know. So, like, if you have had a lot of Irish red ales and something comes to you and it looks like the color of a, of a light lager, like, there's no ways, pal. There's no yeah. ways that you've got enough malts in there. I should have told him to send it back and get something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird though, because Irish reds are one of those styles that according to the style guide, you know, even the ones that we know quite well don't really match up because they're too sweet. It's meant to be a much drier beer than what we actually know commercially. And that that's maybe the final point, um, you know, in terms of judging is that you can't trust commercial beers to be an exemplar of a style guide. They're not at all. Commercial beers use marketing terms to sell beer. So whether they are actually a double dry hopped IPA, it just means that they're an IPA. Double dry hopped is just a process. Yep. Same with, um, gosh, there's so many, but double dry hopped is one of my bug beers. It's not a but style. They, <laughs> they don't have to be upheld to a certain law exactly. or rule. Exactly. So commercial mm -hmm. brews will do whatever they want. And on the one hand, they can be quite creative about about their beers and they might align it to a style just so that people understand which general broad category it fits in but it doesn't mean that it needs to fit that style guideline but mm -hmm. when entering into a competition whether you're a commercial brewer or a home brewer it does need to match well that's at least how you're going to get your points so it should <laughs> yeah i wonder so if that will ever change or if they will keep it like as it is today with brewing beer or if they're gonna or if it would ever be like hey if you're doing a Irish red ale it has to taste like this like I wonder if they would ever make it 
universal. I guess that's <laughs> well, that's a good word I mean, to I, you. I think the guidelines, like they do a good enough job of trying to make the rules of a beer. They try to make it fairly flexible. It's generally right. a range, right? It's not like it has to be this exact specific color or it mm -hmm. has to have these exact flavors. Right. It's got to be within a a range of this and this if it's too bitter though it's not going to work so yeah. i don't think there's ever going to be like one example of a beer that makes that style um you know that matches the style i mean there are example styles within the style guide so for example right. within a saison there's saison du pont you know there's all of these um things within like a dry irish stout guinness is the is the number one example right but there's loads of dry irish stouts even in ireland that don't taste like guinness and yeah, it's and true. I, yeah. I think yeah. it's different from food, whereas like uh, there would be certain physical and chemical and microbiological characteristics that would define what we might call a bread as actually it's a cake, mm. you know, like legally, yeah. um, like beer isn't quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting idea, though, you know, I wonder, I wonder if we'd ever get there and if you could mm. ever actually do a chemical test or whatever to actually make it you know compare yeah. it if you put yeah. it I mean I guess it. if they did that with beer they'd have to do that with wine and liquor so maybe it's a lot more uh what's the word I'm looking for more work I don't want to say more work but more pro yeah I more work to mm. I guess yeah. make a universal standard mm. yeah and you yeah. have to do it like xyz way I don't know yeah sure, sure. it's just something that would be interesting yeah, no, agreed. See if it ever happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is interesting because a lot of commercial brewers, maybe slightly bigger ones, not always your tiny mom and pop shop brewers, but a lot of people um will have almost labs within the brewery mm -hmm. to test for things like how quickly does the beer spoil or does it match the IBUs that we you know yeah. that we think it is or does it match the ABV you know all of these mm -hmm. kinds of things to make sure that your packaging is accurate um and that yeah. you can put best before dates yeah. and so there is a lot that is already known about beer in terms of sure. its chemical makeup yeah i would say that um certainly with the quality and even with yeast you know whether it's top fermenting or bottom fermenting and whether you can call it an ale or a lager but we need to go further and i think in the next few years like science will definitely um mm. be there yeah that was actually another thing that uh, Mirella was saying, not actually on our podcast, but on one of her YouTube videos, which I thought was really interesting. But she was talking about um, the taxonomy of beer and how she thinks it's outdated. So mm. being able to split beer between ale and lager, she feels as it doesn't do justice to the different styles of beer. And considering there's so many hybrids, um, there's so many like diff there's so many things that make the ale lager split seem a little bit moot. So mm -hmm. there might be different ways to sort of classify the, the, the beer styles, but right now we're stuck with ale and lager mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any other questions, friends? Oh, like uh, I've learned so much. Yeah. So I feel like we've been interviewing you, even though you're the host. <laughs> like, thank you for this. Oh, brilliant. Um, I love it. I mean, thanks, Erica. I, I mean, if anybody, if anybody wants to know anything more about becoming a beer judge like hit hit us up on beer ladies at you know on twitter or on instagram or you can hit me up personally i'm not offended my i'm i'm craft geek sa everywhere and um, twitter instagram tiktok the lot so go for it um and i'll try and answer as best i can but 
It would be lovely yeah. to see more beer judges and it mm. would be lovely to see more women beer judging. And Agreed. So, you know, those who are women, queer, non-binary, get in there, guys. Let's 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 all go and become awesome beer judges. Yeah. Here, here. Cool. <laughs> here, here. All right, friends. Well, I mean, so, sometimes you also just want to drink a beer, right? So I'm just going to Exactly. <laughs> Well, that's it, um, friends and listeners and family and all of that. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Beer Ladies podcast. We will see you next week. And as usual, hit us up on the socials and share this with a friend. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or any other of the podcast platforms. If you'd like, that helps. And um, yeah, see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 